Good morning and welcome to a snowy Blue Valley Baptist Church. Hey, way to make the trip out today. Uh, Praying that worship has been uh, good for you as you've engaged the Lord as he's made his presence known in your life. And uh, praying that as we progress through his word this morning, looking at uh, these passages and the four witnesses to Christmas, the sections of Luke, the third gospel, as we study that this morning, praying that God directly speaks to your life. Uh, You're here on purpose, and God is engaging you even in this moment. Uh, Well, all of us have memorable moments that we've recorded throughout the period of our lives, and uh, while the archive of those isn't necessarily one of a long-running video, we do have in our minds and hearts snapshots of things that we have seen. Uh, For instance, uh, more than 20 years ago, now I saw my wife Tiffany for the first time as a front-end supervisor at Sam's Club, and I can still see her in that moment. I can also see her dad when I went to ask for her hand in marriage and some of those expressions. Oh man, this can't be good. <laughs> I also see her on the wedding day and the joy that she was experiencing, and uh, then on the way to the airport the next day, driving in 100-plus Texas heat, uh, blown tire, her dad was driving the van, and and uh, we wondered if we were going to make it. So seeing Tiffany's face of panic, and then getting to the airport and running through it, it was before all of the security measures. We actually got to go directly to our plane, made it with about 45 seconds to spare, and Tiffany looking at me and saying, okay, where are we going? You heard that right. I kept that from her as a surprise where we were going for our honeymoon. She trusted me a lot. I can still see her face. Uh, we also have snapshots of Christmases past, memories that we've had with our families and with our friends. One of mine is 1984 was a great year for me when I actually got my very first Walkman. For those of you who don't know what a Walkman is, a Walkman is a device that played a cassette player and actually got to see music. If you don't know what a cassette is, this is a cassette. This actually holds music on it. And so you put it in the Walkman and revolutionary. For those of you who don't know what music is, just kidding. Uh, Definitely a different day and age, but it was an exciting Christmas. Loved it. I remember 1994 as well. Uh, That was the year my dad had gotten laid off from work and uh, finances were difficult for all of us. And so instead of exchanging gifts, we exchanged names and wrote letters to one another and read those together on Christmas morning. Very special year for all of us. I also remember, of course, Christmas 2003, 2006, 2014, uh, the year that our three kids were born, experiencing the joy of the lights on the tree and Tiffany and my hearts just absolutely being filled. We have many snapshots in our minds and hearts, don't we? Well, this morning, as we look at Luke, we're going to look at three snapshots of important individuals in the Christmas narrative. The first being Mary, the mother of Jesus. The second, a man named Zechariah. And then finally, we're going to look at this group of guys called shepherds. I believe as a result, we will be able to see God who sees, who acts, and who pursues us as he pursued them more than 2,000 years ago. We're going to look at three different passages in Luke this morning. The first being Luke chapter 1, 
beginning in verse 46. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Again, going to look in three different sections of the third gospel about what this is exactly. Now we remember before this that uh, the angel Gabriel had visited uh, Mary and shared with her this first individual snapshots of her life that we're going to see and shared with her that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and that she would uh, by that become pregnant and then uh, be the mother of the Savior, uh, Jesus. And so there's this moment for her when she responds in that, of course, initially in fear and then in joy. He also tells her, the angel, that Elizabeth, a family member, long distance from where they lived, separated, uh, was also going to become uh, pregnant, actually, in that moment, was uh, by Zechariah, her husband. We'll again look at him more in a minute. Uh, but they being very old in age, and so the surprise of that for her must have been great, realizing that Elizabeth uh, was going to be pregnant as well. Of course, we know that to be John, the forerunner of Jesus. And again, we'll look at him in a minute. But when she's there, and she sees that this is true, that Elizabeth actually is pregnant, she responds with what's called the Magnificat. And that's what we're going to read this morning, beginning in Luke 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So we have this image of or this snapshot of Mary who was responding to this work of God in her life. And it's one of great celebration. Obviously, she, not believing that she was worthy, recognizing this incredible movement of hand of God in her life, uh, caused her to remember not only Christ who was coming, that being communicated through Gabriel, not only God who worked from ages past, where she could see the evidence of his hand in not only the lives of those around her, those history pieces that she knew because of growing up, uh, but also in those currently in her life. Knowing that this need of hers for a Savior was present. How do we know that? Because we see in verse 47, she shares, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now there's this position of Mary who was stricken by poverty, obviously not well accepted by society, walking the planet as a young girl, this unusual event that's taking place in her life, and she, in that moment, being overwhelmed, captured, actually, by God. I think at times we think of the term capture in a negative sense. People being captured, becoming prisoners of war. Possibly being captured by debt. Maybe captured by sin. So possibly a better word than captured for us in our English language would be captivated taking it all in, realizing this person of God who intensely 
love and saw her. The God of the universe sending Gabriel, Mary in that moment realizing God sees me. How incredible was that moment for her in her life? Where maybe for the first time in a period of time, maybe for the first time in her life, she realized that she actually was a person of importance, of meaningful relationship to the God of the universe. And her heart cried out, in spite of her situation, in spite of her circumstances, in spite of her position in life, this humble girl visited. And she rejoiced, captivated by the king. We see in a song that was produced by Dennis Jernigan, in the album 1991, There's Coming a Day, I Stand Amazed. We've even sung this song here. Very similar to what Mary experienced when Jernigan wrote these lyrics. I see the stars you have made. I know you call them each by name. To think, Father God, who heaven displays is thinking of me, of you in intimate ways, that you would die for me, amazed in all your glory. I stand amazed. True love's sweetest story. God is not some distant force. He's intimate with us. He knows our every hair on our heads. He knows the deepest part of our lives. He knows when we have joy. He knows when we mourn. And he is with us if we are his through all of it. The intimate presence of God. John Ortberg said this, Intimacy is shared experience. With Jesus, we invite him to share the experiences of my life with me, to become more aware of Jesus' presence increasingly and invite him to communicate with me through my experiences. The more that happens, the more intimate the relationship. To learn to do that all the time is the way life is to be lived. And when God shows us himself in that way, in our relationship with him, this intimate relationship, our response is like Psalm 16, 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Well, this word translated humble or lowly may be better translated in English for us as afflicted. Mary understood that she was afflicted in a couple of specific ways. The first, again, being in poverty. The second, realizing and recognizing again, as we have already stated, her need of a savior of her sin and of the sin around her in spite of. God saw her. So we can gain from that this truth in spite of where you are, In spite of your circumstances, the difficulty, the challenge, the struggle, maybe being in a position where a song comes on the radio, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and you're thinking, it's the opposite. Shut the radio off. 2019's been catastrophic for me personally and for my family. God's been so distant I don't even know what his voice sounds like anymore. 
And so instead of celebrating and and even in reading this and seeing this, instead of saying, your spirit's rejoicing this morning, you're saying, my spirit's mourning. Do you know, if you were in that place, right now, God sees you. If you are his, he has not left you, and he loves you. He sees you. That's Mary. Next, we see this individual, Zechariah, who actually gets more time related to his story than any of the others. These first couple of chapters in Luke, uh, but often is, is missed or overlooked or not spoken of. And so, Zechariah, this old individual, a priest, was called upon to go make this sacrifice by burning incense in the temple. And, and he went in, and here's Gabriel, and what's his response? Oh, by the way, you guys are going to have a baby. Say, what? That's impossible. So what did Gabriel do? Well, he struck him mute because of his faithlessness. Couldn't hear, couldn't speak. And so if you know this of the New Testament and Old Testament, priests would go back into this area with God, make sacrifices. Uh, they would tie a rope around their ankles uh, because if something bad went down and they carried sin in, uh, God would at times strike them dead and they'd have to pull them out by this rope. So here comes Zechariah walking out, can't speak. What do you think the reaction of the people was? Oh man, this guy messed up. He's not struck dead, but God's done something awful to this guy. And so for a period of time, he couldn't speak. And then, as is the case with us, when we at times are faithless, when we at times struggle hearing or seeing the voice or the hand of God move, at times when we are distant from his presence, our response being at times in faithlessness, he speaks again, and he did this with Zechariah, and he restored his voice, and he restored his hearing. And after that, in praising God, he said this. Luke 1, beginning in verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father, Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. What was Zechariah recognizing in this? That God had acted that God was acting on his behalf, that he acted on our behalf, 
more than 2,000 years ago by sending Jesus to live and to die and rise again, that we may have the opportunity for a relationship with him and life in him. That doesn't begin in eternity. It begins when we surrender. He acted then. He is acting even now, whether we recognize it or not. Finally, we see this group of shepherds. And in the midst of that, we see that God pursues this group. Now, the time period, it notes King Herod was the ruler of that territory, put in position by the Romans. And of course, he was brutal, vicious. Actually, one of his responsibilities was to try to thwart any type of political upheaval or things that could happen to displace or come against the Roman government. So he made it very difficult on the lives of those with whom he was responsible for in that area. Heavy taxation. We know other uh, pieces of his story based on a message a couple of weeks ago when we addressed this harsh king of these people. And so the shepherds in the midst of this also traveling with the masses to have to participate in the census more than likely were hirelings keeping this third shift work, uh, watching these sheep. Life was not easy for them. and In fact, they, they may have been, while in the fields, grumbling about their position related to taxes, life in general, and, and may have even thought that they were forgotten by God. And so, God miraculously shows up and shows them he's pursuing them. Look at chapter 2. In verse 8, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Once again, common response. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on heaven peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told them. So darkness flies, all is light. The shepherds hear the angels singing. It's as peaceful as can be. But it wasn't. There was great unrest. And this obscure group of shepherds working in this field, wondering if anyone even saw or knew them at all, see this angel. And the glory shone around them. The glory of God. And they had to immediately leave to go see this baby Jesus, this Messiah. And their response glorifying God. 
What's the common piece of all three of these snapshots? It's one of joy. Same scene, same setting, same baby Jesus, all experienced differently by these three individuals, this group of shepherds. But the common piece of it is the response and the reaction is joy. First, we've seen this morning that God sees. God saw Mary, and he loved her in spite of. This morning, you must know, regardless of what 2019's been like, regardless of the trial and difficulty that you're currently in, regardless of this possible mess of life that you have, This morning, God sees you. He sees you. And in spite of all of the garbage and all of the struggle and the trial and the sin and everything else, in spite of it, he loves you. The creator, sustainer of the universe. And so if by chance you think that he has forgotten you, or left you, or your circumstances have produced this angry God, now who's your enemy? (laughs) Put those lies away. The truth of God's word is that he sees you and loves you right where you are. And he wants the same type, if not more, of an intimate relationship with you even than Mary. You are that valuable to God. God has acted on your behalf. Jesus living, dying, raising again, giving us opportunity for life, for us to surrender our lives to him, giving our sin, him taking it, the penalty of it on the cross, giving us life, not just for eternity, and that's going to be amazing, but life for now. Offering that to you. He's a God who pursues you. Why do you think you're really here this morning? Check a box. Be seen. Do your duty. Well, believe it or not, when you woke up this morning, your very first breath of being awake, God was pursuing you even in that moment. And you are here because of his pursuit of you. And whether you realize it or not, You have responded to the Holy Spirit by putting yourself in a position for God to move and speak and work. Now, it's possible, again, that it has been months, days, weeks, years since you've really heard the voice of God. Even followers of Jesus. And you settled into this mundaneness of life and ritual But I'm here to tell you today the truth of God's word. He wants better for you than that. He wants you to know him, to experience him, to love him, and to be in the most intimate relationship you ever thought possible with him. That's why you're here today. Will you make this, if you are 
not found in Christ, have never surrendered your life today like Christmas? Will you give your burdens to him? Will you cry out to him and surrender your life? The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, right now. And he's calling you to himself. Will you surrender? If you're a follower of Jesus and you're in the room today, and you're just, man, this has been a year. And the distance of God from your mind and heart has been thicker than the presence of Christ. Will you allow his presence to overwhelm you again this morning? Will you allow him to speak directly into your life and not just for it to be on a Sunday morning at church? Will you stop putting the stopping blocks on God when you walk out the door and go back to your life and forget him for a week? Will you allow him once again to restore joy in your life like Psalm 51, 12? Like he did for David? In spite of the difficulty and the hurt and the circumstances, realizing that he has never left you. He sees you. He loves you. Final verses. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Man, that's something we don't hear enough. He still heals diseases and afflictions today. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He has compassion for you right where you are today. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Last note, and we'll pray. I heard this at a conference about a month ago. Uh, We get to go to a conference pastor's conference really is a joy. Uh, This year, Eamon, uh, J-Lock, and I got to go and heard from some speakers. And um, uh, Matt Chandler, who's one of my favorites, uh, reminded us of a truth that it's easily forgotten, especially in the ins and outs of life and our struggle with sin and the difficulties and seeing people around us fall away. It's challenging. Here's what he said. He read this verse. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Psalm 149.3. What is the summary of that? Here it is. Here it is. God delights in you. He absolutely delights in you. In spite of what's happening, in spite of all of life, he delights in you. And he loves you. Will you be encouraged by that fact? He sees you. He acted on your behalf and he's acting. And he pursues you. He's for you. He's crazy about you. And he wants an intimate relationship with you. Will you respond to the Holy Spirit today? Let's pray.